0: You're listening to a rebroadcast of a live walk talk from Instagram. Yeah, Sunday is the Lord's day. Every day is the Lord's day. Amber. (laughs) All right, cool. So we got a nice little group here. Let's go ahead and get started. Before I begin with today's walk talk, do Christians have to be on fire for God? Let me go ahead and introduce myself just in case you're new to my ministry. I know I do get new people who start following me. And in case you don't know who I am, my name's Matt McMillan, clearly. And I'm a Christian author. If you were to ask me one thing that I would like for you to really pay attention to in my ministry, it would be my books. So that's why I always say I'm a Christian author. I've written seven books, all my books. Good morning, Houston. I've written seven books. All my books are available on Amazon in paperback and Kindle. Check them out if you get some time. Now, if you've read any of my books, I greatly appreciate a review. Please go back to Amazon and leave me a review for each book you have read. I also have a podcast. I'm currently recording the latest episode live on Instagram. And I appreciate you guys joining me live, but a lot of people do listen to this on the podcast. I started my podcast earlier this year, and it has actually become the most popular part of my ministry. So if you're listening on the podcast, thank you so much for listening. And if you wouldn't mind, pause the podcast right now and leave me a review. Thank you. Yeah, my shirt. This is Ja Morant, cover of Slam Magazine when he was on the cover. I think this is his rookie year. Maybe not. Uh, I'm a huge NBA fan. always have been since I was a little boy. Um, but yeah, so I got a lot of NBA gear. I'm on YouTube. If you like the YouTube format, if you want to see my face when I speak, I appreciate you watching on YouTube. Check me out on YouTube if you haven't. And if you haven't watched it on YouTube, hit that red subscribe button and you'll get a notification for every brand new Walk Talk. I'm not a pastor. I'm a regular person just like you. Not that, there's any, not that there's anything wrong with what we see today as a pastor, but according to scripture, that's not what a pastor is. When we go to the Bible and we find the word pastor, it's only used once in the New Testament in the book of Ephesians chapter four. It's listed as a supernatural gift. So about the first or second century, I think it was between 100 to 200 AD, Ignatius of Antioch took this word pastor out of the Bible and created a position When he created this position, he bestowed, air quotes, this title of pastor onto people. Now, when he bestowed this pastor name, title onto people, he said, nobody can do anything unless the pastor is present. Unfortunately, that took root, it took off, and then more pastors named other people pastors. So it started what we see today way back then, but if we just go back to the Bible, We see nothing about one person in charge on this side of the cross. We're a body. So I always put that in my introduction because I want you to be confident in who you are, not an individual people. Okay. What else? Oh, I don't know everything. (laughs) I'm still learning and growing just like you, but I'm going to share with you what I do know so far, and I hope it helps you come to understand who Jesus is and who you are. If you want to contact me, you're always welcome to do so. Just go to my website, go over to the contact page, put your message in there, and I'll be glad to interact with you there. All right, so let's get to today's walk talk. Do Christians, hi Susie, do Christians have to be on fire for God? Ooh, (laughs) gotta be on fire for God. Now, um, this is... Something that I grew up in, my impersonation <laughs> for you got to be on fire for God is something that people uh, seem to like and enjoy. But, you know, we've all seen it. You know, you just got to be on fire for God. You're, gonna have, you're not on fire for God. Get on fire for God. You know, do more stuff to be on fire for God is basically what they're saying. But we don't want to pick on people just because that's their style. You know, when I I do my impersonations, I never mean to insult anybody. I really don't. I'm just... (laughs) I'm trying to be funny, I'm trying to be relatable, and I'm trying to just express the stuff that I grew up in, and I know a lot of you people experience that as well. Now, I grew up in a certain uh, length of my childhood, I was in the foster system, so I actually got to experience the polar opposites of that, okay? I got to experience the gotta be on fire for God stuff, and I've also experienced the opposite of that stuff, where it's, you know, it's very, very, um, Uh, not that (laughs) very low key, uh, a lot of, uh, don't you dare express yourself type of deal. So both of those things are error. Okay. So all we have to do in order to get to the bottom of this question, do Christians have to be on fire for God, not take emotionalism, whether it's out of control, emotionalism or super under control, emotionalism to heart, When I say the heart, I mean, in our mind, okay? You have a new heart. (laughs) Your heart is good. Your old heart was removed. You have a brand new heart. Your heart's not wicked. Your heart's not deceitful. That's a whole nother walk talk, but you can trust your heart because you're a new creation. When we see the deceitful, wicked heart passages in scripture, it's always describing an unbeliever, okay? On this side of the cross, Paul tells us, you have become obedient from the heart, Okay. Also, you don't have to guard your heart on this side of the cross. That's Judaism. That's from the Proverbs on this side of the cross. <laughs> Paul tells us it is Christ who guards your heart. So we have to get away from this. There's something wrong with your heart. There's nothing wrong with your heart. You have a good heart. You don't need to check your heart. God Ezekiel 36:26 prophesied about this back in the old covenant before the new covenant happened. And he said, I will remove your heart of stone and give you a new heart. Okay. That has happened. Okay. So when we talk about any style of church, air quotes, when I say style of church, I'm, I'm not going to name names, but you know what I mean. It could be out of control. It could be under control. It's always about the message. Okay. What is the message? However, that message is coming out. You know, there's a lot of times where my message doesn't come out super smooth. And I'm at peace with that. You know, it is through my weakness that God can actually work the best. So, you know, I have to come to the point of not being hypercritical of myself and understand that I can say whatever I need to say about Jesus, and I don't have to be professorial. I don't have to be out of control. I don't have to quote scripture verbatim. That's just not my style. Sometimes I even get Bible passages wrong of where they're at exactly. And when I go back and I listen to the walk talk, I'm like, oh, nope, it wasn't John 1 1, it was John 3 1, but I said John 1 1. But I have to show myself grace <laughs> because. It is the overall message that matters. And the overall message, no matter how you are getting this from whatever ministry, you know, brick and mortar, social media, podcast, YouTube, however you're consuming it, it has to be focused on Jesus. Jesus is the new covenant. This is why Jesus said at the Last Supper, This is the blood. Of the covenant in my name. Okay, so everything has to be rightly divided between Old Covenant and New Covenant, no matter how you're getting this message. Okay, so do Christians have to be on fire for God? When we go back to the Bible <laughs> and we read it based on what Jesus has done, there's nothing to fear. There's nothing to fear at all. Let pressure be a red flag for you. If there's pressure, it's probably not coming from God. <laughs> it's coming from that person. Matter of fact, I can guarantee you it's not coming from God. Now your mind will be renewed and your mind will have new thoughts that are going against old thoughts. Sometimes that could come across as pressure to yourself. But in reality, all that is, is God renewing your mind to the truth. He's not pressuring you into anything or out of anything. He always deals with you on the basis of what you have believed about Jesus. Okay. Even unbelievers, I should retract that. He's always, he's always treating you based on what his son has done, whether believer or unbeliever. Okay. All the world's not saved, but it is the goodness of God that always leads people to any type of new belief, any type of behavior change. Okay, God does not deal with humanity on the basis of sin because of Jesus. So we have to get to that point. You know, I did a TikTok the other day where I said, Christians, when they stand in front of God on judgment day, they will not have to give an account of the life they lived. That is hard for people to hear because they don't understand just what Christ has done if they understood what Christ has done, that this is completely unfair, I wouldn't have a thousand comments of certain sins that people want to pick apart coming from both the unbelieving community and the believing community. (laughs) Why? Why do they focus on a particular sin when I said we're not going to give it an account for the life we lived? Because most of our churches do not focus on what Jesus has done. If they would... (laughs) When I say stuff like that, or when anybody says stuff like that, they're like, mm, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Why? Because of the cross and the resurrection. <laughs> it's so simple. But I'm feeling myself getting a little triggered here. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm going to pump my brakes. Calm down, McMillan. Don't get started today. <laughs> but this is not just unbelievers who are saying this particular sin needs to be judged by God. It's coming from believers too. <laughs> believers, they want them to be judged by God, and then they want to be judged by God according to what they have done. Okay? <laughs> we don't want that. We want to be judged according to what Christ has done. Okay? So, before I go down that rabbit trail, let's get back to where I was. My point of that is God deals with humanity based on what Christ has done. Period. Okay. The deal is out on the table. So do Christians need to be on fire for God? Where are we getting this from? A couple different spots in the Bible. If we're taking things out of context, we can go to revelation three. We can go to Matthew three. We can go to Acts chapter two. Let's just talk about all those today. Okay. How about that? How about we study the Bible and we read it based on what Jesus has done? What a thought. What an idea. What? a Oh my gosh. What an epiphany. All right. Stop being sarcastic. No Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. So when we go to, let's just start out in revelation when we go to and it's starting to rain on me here. So hopefully this doesn't, I'm still going to do the walk talk if I'm soaking wet here, but hopefully you guys can still hear me. Um, <laughs> no, let's, okay. So let's, do, let's start that. Let's do this. Let's go. First of all, let's start out in revelation three. So the Bible verses were Bible passages. We're going to talk about today is in revelation three, Matthew three, Acts chapter two talks about, some fire (laughs) okay and it's not talking about hellfire, uh anything like that it's it's actually talking about like fire like um you know well let's just let's just do this let's start revelation three so in revelation three we see the symbolic church in laodicea hold on don't keep scrolling yet hang on (laughs) let me let me explain this to you all of revelation is written in symbolism The whole book of Revelation is written in symbolism. How do I know that? How can I make such a claim? Because if you start at the beginning of Revelation, John tells us this is symbolism. It's a vision. He says, this is a vision. So if something is a vision, we have to read it in symbolism. All right. Why is Revelation written in symbolism? Because this is new covenant prophecy. Not prophesying, which is speaking out, but New Covenant prophecy, which is what is to come in the future. So if New Covenant prophecy is the focus of revelation, we have to read it in symbolism because New Covenant prophecy is always in symbolism. Why? Because God does not want us to worry. God does not want us to live a neurotic life. But we have had countless people for a couple thousand years Go to Revelation, get up on stage, have a chart and a graph, literally a chart and a graph with really good illustrations, great artwork. And, uh, calm down, Macmillan. <laughs> <I'm good>. Okay, <laughs> okay, okay, I didn't know I was gonna be triggered over this today, but here we go. I'm gonna keep it reeled in, Macmillan. So there's people who go to Revelation chapter 3 and they try to create this quote math problem out of it, okay? Revelation 3 is symbolic, just like every other book of the Bible, just like every other chapter in the letter of Revelation. Okay, so Revelation 3 is symbolism. The whole book of Revelation is symbolism. Just because it's symbolism, does that mean it won't happen? No, it's still going to happen, but it's symbolism. Just because something is symbolism does not mean it's not true. It means it's symbolism. So we have to read it based on symbolism. Okay. Turn my hat around here. So I can keep this rain out of my eyes. I'm still fine. It's not, it's not cold or nothing, but hopefully you guys can still hear me. <laughs> hopefully my earbuds are not getting jacked up here. Uh, let me go ahead and take my earbuds out. Hang on. Okay. Take these babies out. Hopefully you guys can still hear me. If you can't hear me, just tell me in the comments cause I'm going to continue despite this monsoon. <laughs> Okay. (laughs) All right. So in Revelation chapter three, there's a symbolic church in Laodicea. Okay. Thank you very much, Dave. Now, this is not a physical church. So I get so many people who say, you are saying church is not a building, but yet there are letters written to churches in Revelation. This is symbolism. This is a symbolic church a group of people in Revelation. The first church building wasn't even built until about 200 AD. So clearly it's not talking about an actual physical building. When you see the word church in scripture, it's describing a group, a group of people, okay? Not a building. There was not a letter with a postage stamp on it written to this church in Laodicea. First of all, because it's not a physical church. Second of all, because this is a symbolic church. Now, when we look at Revelation chapter 3, we see these people in Revelation being rebuked. Okay, there is a rebuke happening here. Why are they being rebuked? For being lukewarm. Okay? But we go to this passage and we say, right there, you got to be on fire for God because if you're lukewarm, God will spit you out. However... (laughs) Have you ever been told you got to be cold for God? Because if you're not cold for God, he'll speak you out. You ever been told that? No, you haven't. Because they don't read Revelation 3.15 along with 3.16. They just like that that part of the previous passage plus Revelation 3.16. They forget about that part where Jesus says, I wish you were hot or cold or cold. Sounds strange, doesn't it? Well, what do you mean, or cold, Matt? How can I be cold? What's that going to do? This is talking about purposefulness, not salvation. Because it says hot or cold, it is clear that it's talking about purposefulness. This church is being rebuked because they're being lazy. That's it. This is not about you're not doing enough stuff for God to be on fire and he's going to spit you out. He'll spew you out of his mouth. No, that's not the context. This is about what God enjoys, what tastes good to him. Do Christians just taste good, then they don't taste good? I'm going to spit you out. No, that's not the context. Okay, if that were true, if this was literal, that would mean I'm inside God's mouth right now. Okay, so when you go to the <sighs> Calm down, Macmillan. <laughs> I I get a little triggered when I talk about Revelation because here's the problem with Revelation. People go to Revelation and they want to cherry pick. That's literal, but that's not literal. That's symbol. Oh yeah, that's symbolism. That's literal. That's symbol. We don't have the right to do that. The whole book is symbolism. The whole book, deal with it. Okay? So, Revelation 3 is symbolism. God does not slurp you up, spit you out, He's not slurping, spitting, slurping, spitting, slurping, spitting because you're on fire for God. Then you're not on fire for God. Oh, this is about purposefulness. Not about salvation. And if you were in God's mouth, if this wasn't symbolism, which it is, because of what Jesus has done, every time God spit you out, he'd slurp you back up. But you're not in his mouth. You're literally one spirit with the Lord. You're in him. Colossians chapter 3 says you have died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. (laughs) 1 Corinthians 6.17 says you are one spirit with the Lord. Okay. So when we read Revelation 3, don't be afraid. You have nothing to be afraid of. You're safe. This is the symbolic church in Laodicea being rebuked. Because of their deeds because of metanoia not metaneo metanoia is the other greek word for repent so there's two words for repent in the bible metaneo which is change of belief metanoia which is change of actions change of deeds the problem is we have one english translation for that repent and then we go back Calm down, McMillan. Calm down. Not getting triggered. Okay, we go. We go back to the gospels. Just the number one rebuttal I get is you're telling people they don't have to repent. What? Where, Where do you see that? It's because they've got the two words confused. And when I talk about you being completely forgiven, completely righteous, they think I'm saying something that I'm not because they aren't taught the difference in metaneo and metanoia. Every time you see the word, met- every time you see the word repent in the four gospels spoken by Jesus, he is referring to belief. Change your belief. The Pharisees didn't need to change their metanoia. They had the best metanoia on the planet. They obeyed all 613. Quote. Close to it anyway. But they had to change the belief. That's it. Okay, so this church in Revelation 3 is being rebuked because of their metanoia. You guys, God doesn't like this. It doesn't taste good to him. I wish you were hot or cold. You're being lukewarm. Lukewarm serves no purpose. What do I mean by that? So, hot serves a purpose. (laughs) If If I am, you know, if I'm out here running and it's the middle of January and I'm tripping over ice and I get home and I just want to warm up, I'm going to get me a cup of coffee as soon as I walk in the door. Okay. Hot serves a purpose. Now, let's see if I can get these. It's foggy here. Sorry, guys. If you're just listening to this on the podcast, I just, uh, there was a downpour and now I've got a little bit of a fogginess on the screen. So, but you guys can still hear me. So anyway, hot serves a purpose. <laughs> it warms you up if you're cold. This is not about repeated deeds in order to prove anything to God for salvation. Okay, what about cold? Okay, Matt, yeah, I can see how hot serves. How does cold serve a, serve a purpose? My pastor never told me to be on cold for God or cold for God because your pastor just doesn't know your pastor hasn't been taught the truth of the new covenant your pastor has passed down traditional error and he teaches that to you and now i'm going to help you understand the truth according to what the bible says in regard to revelation chapter three you can be cold in fact jesus says i wish you were hot or cold okay if if I'm shooting hoops in the backyard with Grace in the middle of August. My daughter Grace. We're out here playing basketball. It's a 90 degrees, 100 degrees. We're hot. But I got a pool right there. If we both jump in the pool, the pool's going to cool us off. Cold serves a purpose. Cools you off. Hot serves a purpose, warms you up. If I jumped into a lukewarm pool, I'd be like, "Boo." Well, let's go inside where the air conditioning is because cold's in there and it would serve a purpose, you know? (laughs) So lukewarm serves no purpose. That's what revelation three is about. It's not about losing your salvation for not having enough stuff to show people you're on fire for God. That's not what it is. It's about purposefulness. You know, so many people You know, you got the kids that go off to the church camps. You got the adults that go to the revivals and the, and you know, the, the special night of worship service or whatever. And they go to these events and they're just, they're, they're all pumped up. You know, they're encouraged because they're around a lot of people focused on Jesus. Now, whether or not. That location is teaching the new covenant is going to make a difference in what happens once they leave that. If they're going to these church camps and the church camp is just telling them to get up earlier, study your Bible more, journal more, sin less, talk to five people a day about Jesus, you know, or you have somebody at an adult (laughs) revival where it's like, If somebody messages you on social media, block them if they're trying to flirt with you, Uh, get a porn filter on your computer, Uh, count to 10 and pray before you blow up on your spouse, whatever it is. If it's focused on do in order to be on fire, it's error. So often you hear people, I was on fire for God. You know, it was a real shot in the arm when I left that revival and I got back to the house and man, I was there for a month. I was getting up at at 5.30 a.m. I was reading a chapter a day. I was writing about it. Then I was singing worship and praise on the way to work. And then at work, I didn't cuss one time the whole day. And then on my way home, I made sure I said a prayer on my drive home. When I got home, I made sure I walked right in. I kissed my wife on her cheek and I told her how much I love her. And Jesus loves you too. And then before I went to bed, I brought the kids into the living room, we all sat around and we, we prayed and I read the Bible and we watched something on pure flicks and then I went to bed and I got on my knees and I confessed all of my mistakes, even though they weren't that bad to God that day. And then I went to bed and I woke up and I did it again. Oh! Do you see it? That's not being on fire for God. That's not being cold for God. That is a works based, non-trusting system. Same with kids. You know, I'm I'm 40 years old, so I can't really spell all that out in regard to a kid nowadays because the culture is completely different. But when you send these kids off to church camp and they're just, it's a big rah-rah, and then they come home and they're just so excited and they did all this stuff and they've got all these wonderful things to do and then two weeks later, they're sleeping in again on their phone And then they're just depressed. (laughs) Why? Because they were told to do more stuff. When you get back, do. When you get back, be. You got to be on fire. You really got to seek God. Seek God with everything you are this time. And then they did all the stuff to seek. Not realizing that he was already in. In, in, in. They need to go to these church camps. They need to go to these revivals, and they need to be taught God is in you because you've trusted Jesus by grace. He's there. So when you go home, you're not going home to do something to get him to come back or to stay. When you leave this crusade, you're not going home and doing a bunch of stuff to stay on fire. You don't have to stay on fire. <laughs> You get to be cold too. And neither of those things are going to have anything to do with God staying or God being disappointed or not disappointed. He's in the very instant, no matter. It could be right now. I could be walking down this street. And if I believe Jesus has forgiven me of my sins by grace, I'm saved. My old spirit dies, crucified on the cross with Jesus, buried in the tomb with Jesus. My old self dies. Romans chapter 6, Colossians chapter 2 says, I have been crucified with Christ. Colossians chapter 3, you have died. But yet we send people back from these camps. We send people back from these revivals and we tell them you got to crucify your old self again and again, or that you got to crucify your flesh, so many errors the Bible never tells you to crucify your flesh there's nothing wrong with your flesh your flesh is good it's a wonderful instrument first Corinthians 6 says it's the temple of the Holy Spirit it is the flesh and you are not the flesh (laughs) but we don't get taught the difference in our flesh and the flesh at these revivals at these church camps we are told that we got to do more stuff in order to be on fire for God and to stay on fire and then they we, they put us at a civil war with ourselves. yeah your, your spirit and your soul is holy but not your body you have to crucify your flesh that's the only way you're not gonna watch that porn crucify your flesh okay if you crucify your flesh you get one hand nailed in how are you gonna nail your other hand and that's gonna be very painful Paul told the Ephesians that you care for your body like Christ cares for the church. This self abasement is worthless. When we look at Galatians chapter 5, where it talks about the flesh, not once does it talk about your body. But people want to go to Galatians 5 and say all these bad things about their flesh. It is not their flesh, it's it's the flesh. The Greek word for it, the flesh, is sarx, S A R X. It's not your body. It is a separate entity altogether. And you, Galatians chapter 5 says, you have crucified the flesh with its passions. It's dead. You've crucified it. You can walk according to the flesh, but that would not be natural. That's why it says walk according to the spirit. Because that's, that's what's going to be natural to you. <sighs> but there's so many errors that we're taught. And then we're taught that we have to continue in those errors in order to stay on fire for God. My flame has just gone out, Matt. I don't know what to do. You know, I used to to do all this stuff. I was a youth pastor. You know, I did, I did, I did. I, therein lies the problem. (laughs) Let that always be a red flag for you. I have to rest any type of pressure. I have to rest. Anything that begins with, I. I have to rest. Well, you're just telling people to be lazy. No, I'm not. I'm saying be hot or cold. (laughs) Just don't be lukewarm. You're going to be lukewarm when you try to do something according to something that is not of faith. If I could just get you to understand the magnitude of what has happened for you at the cross, which is your complete forgiveness, and then to you through the resurrection, which is your complete righteousness, (laughs) this would make so much sense to you. And this uh, dangling carrot, if I got to be on fire for the Lord, I got to do all this stuff for the Lord, the cycle will end. Because you're on you're on fire, you're on fire, flames going out, flames going out, flames going out. Flame's, gone. flames gone. Oh, I gotta do something, get back on fire. I'm gonna go somewhere or do something. I'm on fire again. I'm on fire. I'm on fire. No, it's fading fading, fading, fading. It's out again. It's a cycle. Rest. Get rid of that cycle. You can be hot or cold. Alright, so let's talk about uh Matthew chapter three. In Matthew chapter 3, John the Baptist says uh, the coming Messiah will baptize you with fire. Okay, this is a landmark passage for somebody who gets out of control to say right there he's going to baptize you with the fire of the Holy Ghost. Or it could be very calm. Right here we see the baptism of fire. It's baptism of fire. What does this mean? You know, if we're just taking that at face value from somebody who is zinging around stage like a carpenter bee, or you got somebody up on stage like a big old oak tree stiff as a board, and you just take this from them, face value, baptism of the Holy Spirit is baptism in fire. What does fire mean? What's he talking about? In reality, I don't think John the Baptist really knew what he was saying, but he was actually prophesying about what's about to happen in the future. Because the Holy Spirit kind of revealed this to him. John the Baptist, even when he was in prison, he still was, he was having some doubts. I'm not saying he wasn't saved. Clearly he was saved. But this just goes to show that we all have doubts. You know, that's a whole nother walk talk. Doubts doesn't mean you're not saved. But for this situation, this is the Holy Spirit revealing to John, speaking to these brood, this brood of vipers, these whitewashed tombs, these Pharisees and the Sadducees that the coming Messiah, the one to come is going to baptize you with fire. They'd be like, what? I don't know what that means. He's prophesying about what would happen in Acts chapter 2 in the upper room at Pentecost. The first permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit. This is not about deeds. This is not about doing stuff. This is John the Baptist telling this group of legalists That the one to come, you will know that it is him because he will baptize them with fire. In Acts chapter 2, the first permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit, there was a flame above their heads. Okay? That's the fire! Okay. It has nothing to do with, you you know, reading your Bible more, going to church more, praising pastors more. Oh, I want to volunteer more. I want to be in the children's ministry more. I want to do, do, do. I want to play the piano. I want to sing. None of that stuff has to do with being on fire. Am I against that? No, I'm not against that. But I'm saying that stuff doesn't put you on fire or get you on fire or keep you on fire. Because what about when you don't do it? Your flame's going to go out. Better get in church again. Oh, I didn't tithe 100%. I'm going to give that on my next tithe. Do to be on fire is error. Matthew chapter 3 and Acts chapter 2 are combined, prophecy wise. It's the first permanent time, the first time the Holy Spirit permanently indwelled a human being never to leave again. How did this happen? Because of what Jesus did at the cross. Had Jesus not gone to the cross and dealt with the sin of the world, there's no way the Holy Spirit could have joined these sinful humans. They still had sin in them. But Christ went to the cross, came out through the resurrection, caused these believers to be new creations. And then shoom, the first permanent dwelling of the Holy Spirit. And there was flames there. <laughs> this has nothing to do with doing a bunch of stuff to be on fire for the Lord. That's it. This has nothing to do with being slain in the spirit. Being slain in the spirit is not in the Bible that's an error it's not there there are so many man-made traditions that we just we just eat it with the spoon oh i seen my grandpa do it oh i seen my uncle do it oh i seen brother bob do it oh, oh sister betty do it i'm just gonna eat it, eat it and eat it and eat it and eat it and never go back to the bible and look for it themselves then what we <sighs> calm down mcmillan relax <laughs> calm down. i'm gonna i've done pretty good i think i don't know maybe not Maybe you guys, are the first time you're watching me, you're like, man, this guy's, <laughs> this guy's crazy. I kind of like it. Uh, but there's so many things that we just, <laughs> we just, we, we see, we do, we repeat. I had somebody, I do Q and A's on my uh, Instagram story and I try to do three a day if I can, if I have time. And you know, this lady, you know, I think that it's still up. Clearly you're not going to be able to see it. If you're uh, listening on the podcast in the future, but you know, she didn't mean anything by it. She's just asking a question and I uh, always welcome the questions. But she, but she said, if your definition, however she said it, the, the connotation was, if deliverance is not a real thing, why do people shriek? It's because they learned it, <laughs> you know, because they've seen everybody do it at this building for years and it's been passed down from generation to generation. There is not one recorded event in any New Testament letter of a Christian being possessed by a demon much less a Christian having a demon cast out of him. It's all before the cross. All before Jesus dealt with the sin of the world. We have to base everything on what Jesus has done at the cross and through the resurrection. But we go back to the gospel we attempt to use that stuff and apply it to who we are as resurrected, supernaturally resurrected, new creations, new now, and we see none of that. Colossians chapter two says the demonic realm was completely disarmed. First John says the evil one cannot even touch you. First John also says the reason why Jesus came to, the, came to earth was to destroy the work of the devil. And he has done that. The reason why people flail on the floor and scream and all that other stuff is because they've seen it happen for a long time. It's a charade. It happens in our culture. You know, so many people look at our culture for truth. Just because everybody's doing it doesn't mean it's good. Just because everybody's doing it doesn't mean it's... uh. (laughs) It's true if it's based on the gospel. It's true if it's based on the easiness of what Christ has done through the cross and through the resurrection. We even do this With people who we think are not, quote, air quote, believers anymore. Well, how could that guy be a youth pastor for five years and now he's a staunch atheist and said he doesn't believe anymore? Well, we have two options there. First of all, why are you looking to some man's actions for your theology? That's the first thing I would ask myself. Why am I looking to him for truth? Why, what do I give a rat's crap about this guy, what he has done in regard to my salvation? Just because he was involved in church doesn't mean he was saved to begin with. And I'm, I'm just going to relax right here. <laughs> okay. So we have to stop looking to humans for theology. Stop basing your theology on somebody's actions. You know, if somebody was involved in the church, quote, involved in the church, and I say quote when I do air quotes because on the podcast, you can't see me do the air quotes. If somebody was just the awesome, most coolest youth pastor ever, then he had an affair with somebody's spouse and now they're together and both of them are saying they're not Christian anymore. They're just dealing with some crap. That has nothing to do with what Jesus has done. <laughs> you know, we can never tell if anybody's saved to begin with. So we have one or two options because apostasy is impossible in Christianity. We've got a, two different options here. Number one, he became a youth pastor because he thought that becoming a youth pastor would put him on fire for God, it was a work. He became a youth pastor because he wanted to appease his mean as a Dickens legalistic aunt who kept pressuring him. So he did it. And the kids liked him. He's really good personality. Has a really good personality. Went on all the stuff. He was a leader at the, ch- at the church camps, but he never believed He never believed. He never trusted Jesus by grace. He looked at that stuff for righteousness. Never believed Jesus, okay? And now he's away from the church and he said he's not a Christian anymore. Well, he was never a Christian to begin with and we don't know that. We have no proof. The legalists will try to give you proof. I'm not doing it. You can never tell who is saved based on their outside appearances and actions. Period. This is why Jesus didn't pick anybody from the religious community. He picked people like me, people who struggle with alcoholism, people who have all these bad habits. Okay. (laughs) He just didn't go for that. He wanted people who would trust him. And just because somebody's a youth pastor doesn't mean they've trusted Jesus or it could be this. They were saved. They did trust. They became a youth pastor because they really wanted to help the kids. They really wanted to lead them. They really wanted to strengthen them. They really wanted, he really wanted to point them to the Lord. But the religious system, the church, did not like his style. The pastor didn't like him. The pastor's mother didn't like him. The pastor's father. This system of nepotism that was set up around him. They don't like him, but he's still saved. And he left. And because of this interaction that he had with these, quote, pastors or this, quote, church family, because it's their church. You just get to be the you just get to be whatever they say you can be. And he left. And now he's saying, I'm not I'm not a Christian anymore, but he's still a Christian. Jesus is still with him. Jesus understands all the pain he had to go through because of that pastor and that pastor's family and the surrounding quote army. He don't want nothing to do with that crap. I don't blame him. Let them have that. He's still saved. And you know what? Over time, he's going to be enjoying his life away from that religious trash away from always trying to look good and appear good and really have a great lesson this time even though his wife is at home cheating on him and it all started on social media but he's still going to church still trying to lead all these kids has nothing to do with his salvation we have to get back to the truth he's still saved (laughs) He's still saved, (laughs) you know, has nothing to do with him being on fire for the Lord. (sighs) So, so do Christians have to be on fire for God? (sighs) No, you can also be cold (laughs) because hot serves a purpose. Cold serves a purpose. Lukewarm serves no purpose Just don't be lukewarm (laughs) How do you not be lukewarm (laughs) Be yourself, that's it be yourself Wake up every day Learn more about Just how forgiven you are, just how righteous you are, just how much of a new creation you are, just how much Christ will always be committed to you. So many people think they got to put God first, then I'll be on fire for the Lord. That's what I'm going to do every day. I'm going to put God first. Good luck. (laughs) Let me know how that works for you. But when you realize that God has put you first, then you get to rest. You don't judge yourself according to your actions (laughs) because you know, God doesn't even do that. You don't judge others according to their actions because you know, God doesn't even do that. (laughs) You rest, you enjoy this life in Christ. Seek first the kingdom of God says it right there. Macmillan. Yeah. Who was he talking to? Unbelievers and they were seeking their own righteousness through law observance, not through behavior change <laughs> context. There's, there's no way to mess up this good news. And when we go back to the Bible and we just read everything based on what Jesus has done, we have nothing to worry about. Revelation chapter three says, I wish you were hot or cold. Just don't be lukewarm. It's about purposefulness, not salvation. You can rest. All right. Matthew chapter three, he will baptize you with fire. That's not about you doing a bunch of stuff to stay on fire that's John the Baptist prophesying about what would happen after Christ went to the cross and came out of the tomb fulfilled in Acts chapter two. So you get to rest friend. You get to be yourself. So I hope this has encouraged you guys today. Hi, I hope it's brought to light. Maybe some error that you struggled with. I know this is heavy. I know when you're taught a behavior improvement program and a a get her done every single week, this new stuff is weird, but just do this. Rest. 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 It won't be lazy, trust me. You are a branch. Jesus is a vine. What is a branch doing? At all times, is it putting the vine first? I'ma wake up every day. I'ma gonna, I'ma gonna put the vine first. The vine's already first. <laughs> all the fruit comes through the vine, and then you bear it. <laughs> Ooh, I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna, as a branch, I'm just gonna work real hard today to produce this fruit. And pop the fruit out. Nope rest that's why jesus said i'm the vine you're the branches rest just rest don't worry when you start to not rest you'll know (laughs) because you'll have stress you'll have anxiety you'll start comparing you'll start anything that has to do with anything opposite of the fruit of the spirit and if you want to know what the fruit of the spirit is read galatians chapter five okay (laughs) you get to rest friend all right so Do Christians need to be on fire for God? No, you can also be cold. Be yourself, friend. (laughs) All right, guys, so always tell the truth about yourself. What's the truth? You're righteous. (laughs) You're holy. You're blameless. You're a new creation. You're completely forgiven. (laughs) You are awesome. You're a child of God. There's nothing wrong with you. (laughs) So always tell the truth about yourself and always be yourself. Love y'all. Bye. Thanks so much for joining me on this walk talk. Please be sure to rate and review this podcast and share it with others. Subscribe right now so you don't miss out on any new content. To be encouraged daily, you can find me on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. If you want even more information on my ministry or to check out my books, go to www.mattmcmillan.com.